0: Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining me on yet another solo of the Red Light Report. Up here in Montana, while the mountains look beautiful and white, The ground looks beautiful and grassy, (laughs) which is the first time I've been able to say that since uh, early to mid-fall. So I always look forward to the spring and where things melt, things get green, stuff starts growing. I can finally go on trail runs again, which I've been just uh, dying to do the last handful of months during this dreary winter. So I'm excited to get back on the trails. But regardless, let's move along here. There's basically one photobiomodulation research article. We're going to take a deep dive into and it has to do with concussions and transcranial photobiomodulation. It's a really interesting, insightful, impactful, profound piece of research. So I really want to take a deep dive into that. But before we get into that lovely piece of science, most of you, especially that have been listening the last couple of months and that follow Biolight also are aware that BioLite, we recently released our newest cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, full-body, 360-degree piece of red light therapy technology, and it's called the ADAPT system. So again, if you've been following BioLite on social media, or you get the newsletter via email, or you've been listening to the podcast and you've been listening to the uh, short ads in the middle of the episodes here, you've heard about the ADAPT system. And maybe you've even looked at the product page to look over the details and look at the innovations that are a part of the ADAPT system. And if you have, you've noticed that it's a higher priced item because the ADAPT system, it is tailored to physicians and practitioners and anti-aging longevity clinics, med spas, recovery and performance centers, gyms, even yoga studios, that type of thing. So it's for those types of atmospheres, or if you're an individual who just wants the newest cutting-edge piece of red light therapy technology, then by all means. But again, uh, the ADAPT system is comprised of two components. A, the ADAPT table, which is kind of a play on words of adaptable, right? So it's the ADAPT table, and then the ADAPT panel, And you'll see that the ADAPT table is virtually, it's like a massage treatment table, but the table itself is full of red and near-infrared lights. And then, of course, you have that face cushion that you can lie down if you want to face down. Of course, you can roll over and lay on your back as well. And again, this is BioLite's take on the 360-degree full-body treatment as compared to those red light therapy beds that you see that are essentially like... Tanning beds, but used with red and near infrared light. So this is BioLite's take on it. And again, both pieces, both the the Adapt table and the Adapt panel, you can a customize the wavelength. So you get to choose what wavelengths of red and what wavelengths of near infrared light you want. And then, secondly, both pieces, of course, they're separate from each other. They are both very mobile because they're on wheels. They take up much less space than a red light therapy bed, so to speak. So they take up less room. They're mobile. uh, You can customize the wavelengths and you can also, with a little knob on the side or, or on the panel with some buttons, you can literally increase or decrease the brightness of the LED. So you get to control the intensity or the light irradiance of the LEDs depending on what you're treating. So it's very customizable. It's very versatile in the sense you get to control the brightness of the LEDs. And again, it takes up less room and it's much more mobile compared to, let's say, a red light therapy bed. And maybe most importantly, especially if you're a practitioner or a physician or a massage therapist or chiropractor, and you want to be incorporating red light therapy into your practice or with your patients and clients, now you can do simultaneous treatments, which you cannot do with a bed. Because, of course, with a red light therapy bed, you're completely encapsulated. And for those who are claustrophobic, maybe that's not the best atmosphere either. But my point here is, with the ADAPT system, now you can incorporate red light therapy treatments while you're doing cupping, while you're doing massage, while you're doing dry needling, while you're doing chiropractic treatments. So whether you're a physician or let's say you're a sports team or you're a, a recovery center and want, you want to treat athletes, now you can easily incorporate red light therapy along with other treatments simultaneously versus having to split them up, let's say if you're using a red light therapy bed. So this really is a game changer for this type of a space where you're wanting to incorporate red light therapy but also do simultaneous treatments or just have, again, the adaptability of moving the table to a different location or moving the panel to a different location. Because again, with the panel, which I haven't mentioned yet, is the panel can be raised or lowered to whatever high you want, but you can also rotate it 360 degrees. So... Let's say you get just the ADAPT panel, because again, you can purchase one or the other or the system altogether. And if you purchase the system, then it's less expensive or or more affordable than if you were to buy each piece individually. But regardless, if you were to get the ADAPT panel, Panel only, you could use that and you can put the panel vertically. Let's say you have just a regular massage table, so you could put that panel horizontally over the table to irradiate your patient or client while you're doing other treatments. Or you could rotate it so it's vertical, just like the rejuvenate panel on a mobile stand, vertical so that people could stand in front of it. Let's say if you just want to do that traditional standing red light therapy treatment, you could always rotate it vertically. And again, you can adjust the height up or down. So it's very versatile in that sense. So that's the ADAPT system by BioLite in a nutshell. It's very mobile. It's very adaptable, pun intended. Very versatile. Again, you get a customized wavelength. You get to increase, decrease the light irradiance on either device. So very, very cool. And for those interested, by all means, please reach out to me at info at That's the email info at biolite.shop. If you have any questions or let's say you're interested in the ADAPT system or one of the ADAPT products, the table or the panel, and you just want help choosing out which wavelengths are best based on whatever patient population you're trying to treat or maybe if it's just for you personally, what wavelengths would be best based on what you're trying to treat. I will personally help you choose those wavelengths based on my knowledge uh, with the photobiomodulation research. And again, maybe you're a physician who's treating mostly neurodegenerative diseases or maybe you're a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon or something of that nature and you're treating mostly skin. Then of course, we're gonna wanna choose different wavelengths based on what you're trying to treat. And I'll walk you through that process so we can make sure you have the most efficacious wavelengths based on what you're trying to treat. So as you guys can tell, I'm really passionate and excited about this product because I think, again, for this sector, the ADAPT system is gonna be a game changer. So again, reach out if you have any questions or if you need help choosing out those wavelengths. That's my little soapbox on the BioLite ADAPT system. We'll have the link in the show notes if you have any questions or if you guys need some help. But without further ado, let's move along to that piece of photobiomodulation research I alluded to. Again, this has to do with essentially treating concussions with transcranial photobiomodulation This kind of harkens back to the movie Concussion by Will Smith. If you guys have seen that, I'm a huge fan of Will Smith, regardless of what happened at the awards the last year or two ago. But as an actor, he's amazing. And I loved that movie, both the topic and his performance. But regardless, you might remember that concussions are are technically called chronic traumatic encephalopathy, especially if it's repeated damage to the brain which, of course, is the case when you're playing American football. So the title of this article is called Transcranial Photobiomodulation Treatment, Significant Improvements in 4X Football Players with Possible Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy. And this is a relatively hot-off-the-press article. It's from January of this year, so only a couple of months ago this thing was, was released, so I was really happy that I was able to scour the internet and find the full article versus just the abstract. And this comes from the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease Reports. And so jumping into the intro here, the first section is chronic traumatic encephalopathy, and we'll, we'll just call that CTE going forward. And so CTE is a progressive neurodegenerative disease diagnosed only at post-mortem where hyperphosphorylated tau, or P-tau deposits are present in neurofibrillary tangles located in an irregular pattern around small blood vessels in deep cortical sulci. CTE is preceded by worsening cognition, behavior, and mood over time. So for example, this is called traumatic encephalopathy syndrome or TES. So CTE is primarily observed in athletes with repetitive head impacts. This of course comes from contact and collision sports and also in veterans with blast traumatic brain injury or or TBIs due to injurious head acceleration. So of course when your head accelerates from one side to the other or gets hit, that brain inside literally sloshes around and hits the side of the cranium and that's what causes those micro injuries occur to the brain, let alone if it's a big hit to the head like you see in some of these football games, which causes a major slosh, the brain going back and forth in the skull and and can cause relatively major damage to the brain. But anyway, CTE has been observed in teenagers and up to age 79 in tackle football players. Among 202 ex-football players, CTE was diagnosed in 87% of them. That's a sobering statistic. 87% of ex-football players have CTE. Among collegiate football players, offensive linemen reported returning to play while still experiencing post-impact systems, although not concussion. Increased years of playing is associated with greater CTE severity. Those with CTE were 10 times more likely to have played football for at least 14.5 years. Sensitivity and specificity were maximized at 11 years. Currently, medical history including participation in contact collision sports with repetitive head injury, mild TBIs, or military explosive to blast TBI, as well as presence of worsening cognitive and behavior mood disturbances over time, are primary for TES to posit a future CTE-diagnosed postmortem in a living person. TES is not fully accounted for by any other neurologic, psychiatric, or medical condition. Well, guys, the holiday season may be over, but you can still save big. We've had this for some time now. Biolite has what's called bundles. So simply go to the Biolite website, Biolite.shop. Go into products, and there will be a tab for bundles. With each of these bundles, there's three of them. You save 20% off on the entire package. For example, we have the beauty bundle, which includes a Shine and Stand, a Guardian Plus, and the Longev Revive Cream. So that bundle of three products, you save 20% off the entire package. There's the Recovery Bundle. That includes the Recharge Plus panel, the Guardian mouthpiece, and then the Longev Recover Cream. And that Recover Cream is just like the Revive Cream, except it has added CBD oil infused into it. That package of three items all comes at 20% off. And then the last bundle, which is the most versatile bundle in the sense that you get to pick and choose what products you want. You get to pick and choose from the Recharge Plus panel, the Restore Plus panel, or the Matrix Full Body Matte. And then you get to choose between the Guardian and Guardian Plus, and then you get to choose between the Revive and the Recover Cream. It also includes shine and stand, so you get to choose between black and silver. By purchasing those four products in the ultimate bundle, you save 20% off all of the products. You also save 20% off shipping. So literally the entire package and shipping is 20% off. So if you're ever needing some red light therapy products and are looking for a discount, just remember the bundles are always 20% off, 365 days a year, no coupon code necessary. So moving along to the next section here in the intro, which is entitled Clinical Trans-Photobiomodulation Studies in Humans. So when used with mild chronic TBI, transcranial photobiomodulation has improved cognition, mood, and sleep in open protocol studies. The whole scalp was treated with red and near-infrared LEDs. Significant improvements in executive function and verbal memory were present, lasting for two months after the final 18th transcranial LED treatment. Fewer post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms were reported. Similar improvements were reported with a pro ice hockey player at the age of 23 whom had six concussions in five and a half years. Transcranial photobiomodulation has been used safely in acute, moderate TBI. Follow-up magnetic resonance imaging, or MRI, after three months, showed significant improvement in diffusion parameters of white matter tracks for real transcranial photobiomodulation. Transcranial photobiomodulation has been helpful in treating chronic stroke patients. So left hemisphere stroke patients with lasting language problems known as aphasia showed significant improvement in naming ability following 18 transcranial photobiomodulation treatments applied to the left side of the head and scalp. Example, the same side where the stroke occurred. So if they had a left-sided stroke, they treated the left side of the brain. But this is interesting, no improvement occurred when the LEDs were applied to both sides of the head. So again, if it was a left-sided stroke, you treat the left side. If it was a right-sided stroke, you treat the right side. But if you treated both sides of the brain, for some reason, there was no improvement. So that is really interesting to note. So then if we move along to the materials and methods section of this article, here's the participant selection and inclusion criteria. So the subjects were aged from 18 to 75 years with a history of repetitive head injury and appropriate results from screening, neuropsychological psychological, cognitive tests, and behavior and mood questionnaires. And so they ended up with four football players that met this criteria and so with the initial in-office transcranial photobiomodulation series each participant received an initial in-office treatment series and this included 18 transcranial led treatments and that's important to know that they were using led and not lasers in this article, and I say that because lasers are notorious for being able to penetrate deeper. They're a more coherent light, they penetrate deeper, they're a more focused light, and so especially when treating the brain, one would think that lasers may be the best choice because of those characteristics. However, they also come with the inherent risks of overheating tissue or overdosing because of a higher light power or a higher dosage It is just interesting to note that they used LEDs versus lasers because at the end of the day, we should be able to get similar results via LEDs or lasers, provided that the dosage is appropriate, as you guys know from the ebook I've developed. So whether it's laser, whether it's LEDs, the dosage is what ultimately matters. And with lasers, it would just be a much shorter treatment because, again, you don't want to overheat tissue and cause damage. Whereas with LEDs, it'll be a lengthier treatment, but you'll be able to cover a larger area and you're not going to run the risk of overheating tissue, and you'll have to treat much longer in order to reach that overtreatment or that overdosage area. So, again, regardless, they used LEDs, which is very noteworthy. And also, from the consumer standpoint, lasers are much, much more expensive. So, if you were to have a helmet or a hat with lasers in it, A, that's going to take more power consumption. B, It's going to be much, much more expensive versus the same contraption or device that utilizes LEDs instead. So that's also worth noting. But regardless, they used LEDs and each one of these treatments lasted approximately 22 to 40 minutes. They did these three times a week for six weeks to get those 18 treatments and they had 48 hours between treatments. That's another good point just from the outside looking in for those interested in red light therapy because... You don't need to do red light therapy every single day to get results. And in fact, just like they did in this article, it's best to space out the treatments. Just like you should space out other stressors in your life like exercise or fasting. You don't need to fast every single day. You don't need to exercise hard every single day. You need to allow your body to adapt to the stresses you put upon it. Light is the same thing. It's some type of a stress because you're asking your mitochondria to produce more energy, which creates more reactive oxygen species, which reactive oxygen species or free radicals cause their own stresses internally on on our physiology. So again, you don't need to do and you don't want to do red light therapy every single day when you're trying to treat a specific condition, especially something like the brain. So again, that's noteworthy that they did 48 hours between treatments, two days between treatments. So again, they did three times a week for six weeks. They didn't do five or six or seven times a week for two or three weeks or even six weeks. It was three times a week for the brain. So let's just keep that in mind for those that are wondering about how often should you use red light therapy and can you use it too much? The answer is yes, you can overuse it and be utilizing, even just for general health and wellness, utilizing it on an every other day basis will likely yield more positive and more beneficial results versus doing it every single day so I just want to get that point out there for people that are kind of questioning how often they should be utilizing their red light therapy devices but moving along here they had three different transcranial photobiomodulation devices and protocols were used and if you go to the article which is linked in the show notes here you can see the pictures of the different devices they were using some of them were up the nose. Some of them were different types and sizes of contraptions that you put on the head and, and around the skull to to irradiate the brain. So if you guys are curious, I, I would highly recommend checking out the article. Again, the link is below in the in the show notes, just to see what those devices looked like. They're they're kind of interesting to see all these different you know types and sizes of devices. But regardless, common characteristics across all devices included application of near infrared wavelengths of. 810 nanometers, 850, or 870 nanometers. So again, 810, 850, or 870 to the scalp locations. And they had 26 joules per centimeter squared at each location. And as a reference point for what that means power-wise or light or radiance-wise, that'd be similar to utilizing let's say a BioLite Recharge Plus or Restore Plus, you know, one of those panels that are plugged into the wall versus a handheld device. It'd be like using one of those panels at six inches away for approximately three and a half minutes. Because here I'm looking at my conversion chart here. If you were to do 125 milliwatts per centimeter squared for eight seconds, you get that one joule per centimeter squared. So again, if you multiply that one joule per centimeter squared by 26, then you get about three and a half minutes worth of treatment. I don't believe the article said explicitly what the light irradiance of the device was, but again, most importantly is the dosage. And that dosage is 26 joules per centimeter squared. And that was at each location in the brain. So if they were doing both sides of the brain, when you had a panel, let's say for instance, then you'd have to irradiate, let's say the right side of your brain for three and a half minutes, and then you'd irradiate the opposite side of your brain for three and a half minutes. If you're treating a concussion but as they alluded to in the intro when they were looking at stroke patients they only irradiated the side of the injury to get positive results not sure if that's the same for concussions but regardless with brain injury for stroke patients they found that treating only the side of injury was beneficial so again 26 joules per centimeter per location So each device and treatment protocol is described with each case report in the article. So again, they had four ex-football players, and so there's four case reports. And so if you want to see the exact treatment protocol for each device, then you're going to have to dig a little deeper into each case report inside of the article to learn about those specific protocols. But I think that'd be interesting to peruse through and just see how they differed. Of course, since they were using different devices. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter what device they were using because they all had similar near-infrared wavelengths and they all had similar treatment dosages across the four different players. And so when we look at the pre- and post-testing schedule for this transcranial photobiomodulation series, each participant was examined with NP cognitive tests and self-rated behavior mood questionnaires. And so participants were tested pre-treatment and also at one week, one month, and two months after the final 18th in-office photobiomodulation treatment. If there was a later at-home transcranial photobiomodulation series, there was one post-testing obtained two weeks following that. So again, they did a pre-treatment, post-treatment. If they happened to do another series at home, there was a subsequent post-treatment treatment to figure out what benefits these players realized from the transcranial photobiomodulation treatments. And so moving along to the discussion portion of this article, the first subsection is improvement in cognition. And it says that significant cognitive improvements here are similar to areas of cognitive improvement in transcranial photobiomodulation studies with chronic mild TBI, for example, executive function, attention, verbal learning and memory, visual spatial memory, and verbal fluency. And then moving along to improvement in behavior and mood. So behavior and mood ratings after the in-office transcranial photobiomodulation series for the four ex-football players as a group showed significant improvement at one month post transcranial photobiomodulation. For example, improvement in PTSD, depression, pain, and sleep. So they saw reduced PTSD symptoms following the transcranial photobiomodulation with LEDs, which was previously reported in chronic mild TBI. A recent transcranial photobiomodulation study, including 49 athletes with repetitive head injuries, reported significant improvements in PTSD, depression, adjustment adaptability, and sleep after 8 weeks of transcranial LED treatment. Another study reported less mood dysregulation, anxiety, and irritability symptoms after transcranial photobiomodulation with a class four high power NIR laser in chronic mild TBI. So interesting there that this study, they themselves used LED, but they're citing here that another study used a high powered laser, but again, they both attained positive results. Moving along here, the pattern of improvement at one month after initial in-office transcranial photobiomodulation series but was followed by a decline two months later, and this is similar to the pattern of response to transcranial photobiomodulation in dementia, but not in chronic mild TBI. When dementia cases were tested within one week after 12 weeks of transcranial photobiomodulation, there were significant improvements on Alzheimer's disease assessment scale cognitive subscale and mini-mental state examination. When LED equipment was withdrawn for the next month, however, these gains regressed. The dementia cases likely had neurodegenerative disease, and thus the pattern of response following transcranial photobiomodulation treatment in the present study with the ex-football players was similar to the dementia cases. Because again, both the dementia and the ex-football players had a neurodegenerative component. So later decline was not observed in the mild TBI cases where improvements continued out to two months after the final transcranial photobiomodulation treatment. And that makes sense because the mild TBI, hence they were mild, probably didn't have a neurodegenerative component. So they were able to see improvements out to those two months versus the CTE and dementia cases. They quickly lost the benefits of red light therapy when it was discontinued. The pattern of initial improvement at one week and at one month But later decline after two to three months in the present study suggests a presence of a neurodegenerative disease, meaning possibly CTE. Each case improved again after transcranial photobiomodulation home treatments were commenced. There was also likely increased BDNF following the transcranial photobiomodulation series, or brain derived neurotrophic factor. And BDNF is a neurotrophin associated with neuroregeneration dendritic sprouting, reconnection, and improved synaptic efficacy. Dysregulation of BDNF has been observed both in TBI and PTSD in humans. A significantly lower level of plasma BDNF has been reported in PTSD, suggesting involvement of BDNF in the pathophysiology of PTSD. Here, there was a significant decrease in symptoms of PTSD at one month after the initial in-office transcranial photobiomodulation series in the four ex-football players as a group. It is possible that increased BDNF was present at that time. In addition, there may have been improved function of quote-unquote fast spiking interneurons post uh, transcranial photobiomodulation. And so gamma oscillations, which is approximately 30 to 100 Hz, are present in many brain regions including the hippocampus and neocortex with rhythmic and synchronous fluctuations common to most or all neurons in the neuronal network. These fluctuations are associated with precise synaptic interactions of excitatory pyramidal cells and inhibitory GABAergic interneurons. Action potentials generated at high frequency in these fast spiking interneurons require high oxygen consumption. They are particularly enriched with mitochondria and cytochrome C oxidase to accommodate this. A researcher from Japan has suggested that gamma oscillations may offer a future therapeutic target. In the present study, it is possible that mitochondrial function in these critical fast spiking interneurons was improved following each series of transcranial photobiomodulation treatments. The addition of at-home transcranial photobiomodulation treatments with that 40 Hz gamma frequency long-term would have provided continued delivery of near-infrared photons to compromised cortex including interneurons. This may have contributed to continued well-being for 2-4 to years thus far in these ex-football players who have continued home treatments with transcranial photobiomodulation. So let's step back for a second, (laughs) because I know that was a lot of science jargon in those couple of paragraphs, but really when broken down, simply put, and we know this from other articles and other research on, on red light therapy and the brain, that there's likely a component of improved BDNF or improved brain drive neurotrophic factor when your brain is irradiated with red light therapy, and of course that has to be near-infrared because that red light's not going to make it past the skin. What this article is saying, or what these paragraphs are saying, is that while they didn't measure it specifically, there was likely an upregulation of BDNF when they were doing their in-series or in, in-office treatments of transcranial photobiomodulation. And if we hearken to these other articles related to photobiomodulation in the brain, that is true, and we know that. And there's other... Aspects of brain physiology along with BDNF that's upregulated. For example, looking here on the Biolight website under the Brain and Cognitive Health article, and we look at the benefits that Parkinson's disease patients had with transcranial red light therapy, uh, some of the positive effects included increased BDNF, decreased P-tau, decreased inflammation, increased memory, increased mitochondrial function and protection and increased energy gut health seems to be another important aspect of parkinson's disease and so that brings up the point of with any type of brain injury or, or brain degeneration treating the gut via the gut brain access will likely have beneficial effects on the brain so i would always recommend treating the gut with red and near infrared light whenever you're dealing with any type of pathology i should say with the brain. So always consider the gut. And vice versa, if you're dealing with a gut issue, you can always target the brain as well to harness improvements in the gut microbiome via the brain. And of course, it's already been slightly mentioned, maybe indirectly, but but anytime you're talking about brain injury or any type of nerve injury, but of course we're talking about the brain in this article, there's going to be some type of mitochondrial dysfunction going on. There's going to be some type of neuro inflammatory response going on and we know that two of the main pillars of red light therapy is optimizing mitochondrial health and modulating inflammation and thirdly when there's injury there's probably going to be some type of microcirculatory issue there's going to be compromised circulation and so that third pillar that you always hear me speak about is improved circulation so it makes complete sense and and I really hope that This type of a treatment, red light therapy for the brain, gains more traction quickly because it's such a safe and efficacious treatment for the brain. It effectively ticks off those three boxes. It it improves mitochondrial health, it modulates inflammation, and it improves circulation. So that's just a win-win-win for the brain when you're dealing with any type of injury, the mild TBI, concussion, neurodegenerative disease you got to be incorporating red light therapy directly to the brain, but like I just mentioned before, also targeting the gut because we've had some very powerful research showing you can literally improve the health of the brain just by improving gut health and, and, and the gut microbiome. So let's keep that in mind as well. But moving along here, we were talking about these two paragraphs with all the scientific jargon. So the So the first part was about the BDNF, likely to have that upregulation with that. But then secondly, and this was the more interesting part and kind of newer for me, is this concept of gamma oscillations in order to improve the function of these fast spiking interneurons. And so again, gamma oscillations are typically from 30 to 100 hertz. And this Japanese scientist was showing some pretty cool and significant improvements in a compromised cortex or in a compromised brain by utilizing transcranial photobiomodulation treatments with a 40 hertz gamma frequency. So that's just something to keep in mind for those looking to treat the brain, whether whether it's damaged or neurodegenerative, is incorporating that 40 hertz frequency. And again, that's gonna look like a flicker, but it's not light flicker like we talk about with, with the safety aspects of the light, like the light flicker from a fluorescent light in the office. This is a, an intentional frequency that our mitochondria seem to respond to, and in this case in the brain, 40 hertz seems to be especially beneficial for healing the brain. So there are devices out there, different types, whether it's LEDs or lasers, that incorporates different frequencies, which is going to look like basically a strobe light of different frequencies. So that's what the hertz means is how many times is it flickering per second. And so 40 hertz, you're going to have 40 flickers per second. With some devices, you can modulate it anywhere from one hertz to 100 hertz or 10,000 hertz or 20,000 hertz. And again, it's how your cells and how your mitochondria responds to that frequency in a positive manner. It's not necessarily something you'd want to look at or stare at. Uh, it's more so for your cells and for your mitochondria. But again, that's the interesting part is complementing or getting a synergistic response by incorporating red light therapy with that 40 hertz gamma frequency Uh, to get those positive results. Uh, But moving along here, and this is just some more information here in the discussion portion of the research article, ex-football players who played 33 to 55 years ago are increasing in age. Increasing age has been associated with a dramatic decline in the efficiency of exchange between subarachnoid cerebral spinal fluid and brain parenchyma as part of the waste removal and this contributes to impaired glymphatic clearance, cognitive decline, and dementia among the elderly. And of course, with the last handful of solo shows, you've heard us or you've heard me talk about the glymphatic system during sleep and how that's a big component of health and and repair and recovery. Well, here in this article, they're they're alluding to uh, ex-football players with their increase in age, they're already dealing with brain injuries, but along with the brain injuries, they're dealing with impaired or or declining glymphatic systems which just comes with part of quote-unquote aging so that kind of compounds the negative ramifications of of, of their brain injury they're kind of getting the double whammy of uh, the cte plus a declining glymphatic system so moving along here it has been suggested that improving glymphatic clearance is a novel therapeutic target for treatment of neurodegenerative diseases with accumulation of misfolded protein aggregates. The glymphatic system is more effective during sleep. A recent study with mice has reported an associated circadian rhythm for this. Impaired sleep was a major complaint for the four ex-football players at entry into this transcranial photobiomodulation study. There was significant improvement in sleep at one month after the in-office transcranial photobiomodulation series. Their improved sleep may have been associated with improved lymphatic clearance of waste products. Treating in-sync with a person's own circadian rhythm, perhaps even at night, might have a greater beneficial effect. So, of course, as was noted with the discussion portion above, they did have improved or decreased stress or decreased depression or decreased pain, and improved sleep. And so they're citing that perhaps that improved sleep is secondary to improved function of this lymphatic system. Of course, they didn't specifically measure for that, but that's just postulation, and, and it kind of makes sense, as impaired as their lymphatic system probably was between football and their quote-unquote aging. So just interesting things to think about. Again, with red light therapy, you're going in to treat one thing, you're treating that uh, concussion or the damage of all that concussion or or TBI or repetitive head injury. But while you're treating that injury, you're also improving the lymphatic system. You're also reducing neuroinflammation. You're also improving mitochondrial health. So you're getting a host of benefits while you're repairing the injury itself. so moving along to the conclusion of this article here, overall, results are encouraging from this first case series report with four ex-football players meeting TES criteria for possible CTE. And again, I'm scrolling up here, TES is traumatic encephalopathy syndrome, which precedes chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And so again, they're saying the four players meeting the TES criteria, which precedes for the potential of CTE. So anyway, their cognitive and behavior mood disturbances were well managed and significantly improved following near-infrared transcranial photobiomodulation treatments. To the author's knowledge, this is the first report of a potential treatment modality to mitigate symptoms of possible CTE. Instead of continuing to worsen over time, these cases improved with transcranial photobiomodulation. Without sham control, a possible placebo effect is unknown. Significant correlations with the MRIs and improvements in executive function, attention, PTSD, pain, and sleep and also increased verbal learning and memory, less depression, plus increased other aspects in their brain that correlated to less pain and PTSD were all supportive of a beneficial effect from transcranial photobiomodulation. You know, that conclusion pretty much wraps it up. Uh, They had four football players that met the criteria for TES, potentially CTE, and by implementing transcranial photobiomodulation, they were able to at least, well, they didn't even mitigate the symptoms or slow them down. They actually reversed them. So their pain reduced, their PTSD reduced, their sleep improved. So instead of their their symptoms worsening, which is the typical path for a lot of these football players, and again, if you've watched that movie Concussion, it's extremely impactful and profound to see what some of these old-time football players, old, meaning you know decades and decades ago, let alone, even uh, some younger, with all the suicides and the depression and in the uh, neurodegenerative aspect of the brain that comes with playing football for so many years. But again, when they implemented red light therapy, they were able to reverse a lot of these symptoms, a lot of these negative ramifications from TES and CTE and RHI, repetitive head injury. Again, while it's only four players, a very small sample size, and like they alluded to, they didn't have a control although I highly doubt that this was a placebo effect. But regardless, it's riveting, it's profound that something as simple as light can reverse something as as lethal, as deleterious with so many negative ramifications as CTE and all the mood and behavioral and mental aspects that come along with that pathophysiology. So it doesn't just slow it down. Signs point to that when, when you're utilizing the correct dosage, you can actually reverse it. And so, of course, this has been a hot topic in the NFL and even in college and in high school. A lot of parents not allowing their kids to play football anymore because of the impact that concussions can have. And I'm not saying this is going to reverse that mindset or switch people's minds, but at least those that do play contact sports, and football's not the only one, Soccer is actually a huge one, for head injuries, and actually so is volleyball, people would be surprised. Uh, But there's a lot of sports out there, and even car crashes. We're talking about TBIs or concussions. I mean, you can get them out in the real world. I mean, just falling down on ice, hockey players, the list goes on. But this is great to see that there's a mechanism, there's a safe and efficacious way outside of polypharmacy or you know, other allopathic methods that don't seem to be getting the job done. And again, red light therapy isn't the end-all, be-all, but added in with other mood and behavioral treatments and and adding other treatments like, like neurofeedback or, or acupuncture, treatments like this and adding appropriate supplements and adjuvants to help with brain health, you get a nice synergistic response to something like red light therapy that, you know, according to this piece of research, you can stop this TES and the CTE in its tracks and actually send or or correct the path for these players or for these people dealing with these head injuries. So I hope that was a pretty interesting and insightful walkthrough uh, of that article. And again, if you guys wanna take a deeper dive into each individual case of those four football players. And that way you can see the specific treatment protocol they used, all the different devices they used. Go ahead and check out that article and the link is below. But again, thanks guys for listening. As always, I hope you find this information useful, beneficial, and if nothing else, it just continues to add to our knowledge base for red light therapy and all of its uh, wonderful potential for healing our bodies in a holistic way. And it's just another shout out to light and and just giving the body what it needs. Our body and especially our brains are resilient. They want to thrive. And if you just give them what they want and give it what they need, a lot of good things can happen. A lot of good healing can take place. So without further ado, guys, again, thanks for listening. Thank you for your support. I'll see you guys on the next episode. I have a couple of fantastic interviews you guys are going to love coming up in the next couple of weeks, so I look forward to those. But in the meantime, you guys go outside, get your sunshine, do your red light therapy treatments as necessary, but as always, light up your health. You guys have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to The Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, Go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, BioLight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.